Hello and welcome to Publishing Insight, an interview podcast about working in publishing. Welcome to episode 11 of Publishing Insight. I'm Flavia, your host, and in this episode I interview Adele Parker, Head of Rights UK at Taylor & Francis. We have talked about many things, such as her experience of looking for her first job in publishing before the internet, as well as the process and research behind our recent and exciting film deal. Happy listening, and for any comments or feedback, you can write me an email or find me on Twitter at flamflam91, flam91. If you are enjoying listening to Publishing Insight, please subscribe and leave a review. episode of Publishing Inside. Today I am interviewing Adele Parker at Taylor & Francis and she is the head of rights at Taylor & Francis. Welcome. Thank and you very much. Thank you for your time. You're very welcome. My first question is which was your very first job in publishing and your career part? Okay so I, I basically um, have had a passion for books as long as I can remember Um, going back to being quite a small child. So um, graduating in 1987 with a joint honours degree in English literature and history, modern history, um, my first thought of a career pathway was doing something with books. That was was how basic it was. Um, And obviously 1987, no internet. I set about um, basically going along my bookshelves and all those bookshelves of my family and friends, finding the imprints on the spines, getting the addresses from the copyright pages, and literally sending out rafts and rafts of letters to various publishing houses, most of them trade publishers because it was mainly fiction that I, I had and my friends and family had. Um, and a couple of months down the line, um, having had a couple of responses that were negative and a large number of letters that just went unanswered, I decided that I, I probably hadn't got that much to offer other than a passion for literature. I um, had no business skills whatsoever. And um, that was quite a hard, uh, a hard lesson to learn, really. But I went back home to Worcestershire for a year and signed up to do a Royal Society of Arts business um, administration course. It was a 12-month course. And I then left that course 12 months later with typing skills, shorthand skills, basic office admin skills, an understanding of how businesses worked and the financial side of things. I felt a lot, a lot more um, prepared, shall we say, for a, a, a role in, in a publishing house. And then I began the search again. Um, unfortunately, um, a fellow graduate had, who had been doing a psychology and education degree landed a role in London um, with a publisher called Heinemann Educational and happened to mention to me that there were some vacancies going in the professional publishing arm, which was Heinemann Professional. So um, I applied to them 
and actually ended up having a choice of two or three roles, um, one in marketing, one in HR, and then I was also offered the role of um, person assistant to the managing director, um, who was then Doug Fox, who headed up Heinemann Professional Publishing, which was actually part of the um, Octopus Publishing Group. Um, so that was the role I took, and that's led me to a, a sort of 30-year career in rights. <laughs> Um, and I think I've been very fortunate in terms of doors that have opened up for me, being in the right place at the right time. Um, I moved from Heinemann Professional then, um, merged with Butterworth Scientific, who were based in Guildford, and that was when um, Butterworth Heinemann Publishing Company was formed. Um, their rights manager stepped down. Um, at the point the companies merged and I was interviewed for the role and was fortunate enough to succeed um, and ever since then really have occupied various roles. Um, I moved from Butterworth Heinemann into Elsevier Science and Technology Division when um, Elsevier incorporated Butterworth Heinemann into its um, umbrella of companies and I was rights manager there for several years before moving to Taylor and Francis where I became rights manager here and I've seen rights really grow during that period which has enabled me to um, be in the position I am which is, is head of rights for the UK division. Perfect, thank you. That's really a, an interesting route. Yes. <laughs> and what does a typical day as the head of rights at Taylor and Francis look like? Um, very, very busy. Um, we're bombarded with queries all the time um, from authors, um, editorial teams, the wider sales teams, um, also obviously our customers who are um, publishers based all over the world. Um, I'd say my sales role takes up the biggest chunk of my day. Um, that in involves negotiating via email, talking over the phone to customers, uh, drafting contracts, advising my team on, on contractual terms or any difficult deals, um, ensuring that customers have the correct e-files, um, chasing down author contracts so that we can ensure we hold the rights. And that really forms the kind of backbone of my role. Uh, alongside that, my management role obviously is, is growing as well. I've got a team of 11 now. Um, revenue team, permissions team and right sales team. So um, working with my team in terms of ensuring they have their career development, um, training needs, um, setting their objectives, that, that's a, a really big part of my, my daily routine. Communication I think is the key driver to my day. Um, I'm communicating as I said with global teams, global publishers, liaising with editorial to ensure we're getting all the new product detail we need to take out to the marketplace, creating seasonal rights guides, that type of thing. And increasingly now we're informed as a, a FTSE 100 company, increasingly the revenue tracking. Um, I'm, I think for a very long time rights revenue in my early career was seen as um, some additional revenue that was always termed the icing on the cake. It was um, it was very much seen as almost a byproduct of selling selling the book products themselves. And 
over the past few years, it's very evident that it's become a sales channel in its own right. Perfect. That's really interesting, and it's really nice to see how the rights has changed as a function. As Absolutely, a yeah. Inside publishing. Yeah. And what is your favorite project you have worked on? Well, I've given this quite a bit of thought because I've been involved in some quite um, wide-reaching projects recently in terms of merging our two rights databases, one that was UK-based, one that was US-based, um, and creating one project. Um, and also to create one um, unified rights team. But I think I'm going to go back to my, my kind of sales head, really, and what my real passion is, is, is selling. And um, I've, over the past few months, concluded my first full film deal, rather than film option, um, with a company, um, Altitude Films, who made the Amy Winehouse movie, and they've recently made a film on Eric Clapton, Life in 12 Bars, and, and also the film called Moonlight. So they were a very reputable film company, so it was a, it was a pleasure to work with them. Um, so it was, it was a challenge, because it was new territory for me. I hadn't ever concluded a film deal before. Um, nobody had any film experience around me, so I had to draw a lot on research on the internet, spoke to a couple of agents who advised me. And what was particularly interesting about this project for me as well was it was the title I licensed was a, a, a title called William Marshall. And William Marshall was actually the first Earl of Pembroke. Um, he was an Anglo-Norman soldier and a statesman. And the book was written by um, Professor David Crouch from the University of Hull. So it was his uh, research that um, was drawn on to create this textbook. And so for me, it was it was a really fascinating part where it's kind of research meeting contemporary TV and, and that underlying research being used for a costume period drama. Um, the pricing model was completely different. Um, I was charging it a fee to exercise the option. Then there was a fee to launch a pilot. Then there was episodic fees following on from that. So it's structured very differently than any other rights deal I've done. I learned a huge amount and it's actually given me some confidence to move on with some more film deals. So it's an area, it's given me a, an idea for a future sales channel for Routledge titles as well, um, knowing that this one has, has been successful and there's probably some more in the pipeline that I can work on. And which are the most important skills to work in rights? That's a really interesting question. Um, for me, not necessarily publishing experience, not necessarily um, technical or, or um, systems experience, but I think, I think I'd say tenacity. Um, we're working with a century-old backlist. Uh, many of the authors are deceased. There's complex estates issues, um, webs of reprints that have taken place, um, and rights are transferred to various other publishing houses. Um, and often the most lucrative and substantial deals require days of research, archive searches, contacting authors' relatives, um, speaking to authors' estates. Uh, you almost have to follow up leads like a detective, um, and you piece together a jigsaw puzzle of the book's life and, and whether you can move forward with this deal or not. Um, and also, I think, to bring historical data into the future with contemporary formats such as ebooks, uh, ebooks in Italian, ebooks in German, um, and bring them to a new digital audience um, requires a lot of um, hard work, really. Um, you have to stick with your research, you have to have conviction of the deal you're doing often. 
Um, and there's no shortcuts in rights. Um, it's all about due diligence. So I think, I think tenacity is a, is a really key skill to have. Perfect, thank you. And what advice would you give to people who are applying for entry-level jobs in rights? Um, there are so many varied roles in rights. I think that's the first thing I'd say. Don't assume that um, it would be a, a necessarily a licensing role. There are permissions roles. Um, I have a team of four managing the rights revenue. So um, I have people from the banking industry who, who are working within my rights team at the moment. So don't necessarily see it as a narrow field. Um, there is a sales, many sales functions there, but there's also other layers of, of, of rights roles that um, you can investigate. Um, language skills are always useful. It's great to have, I've got a Spanish Portuguese speaker on my team. I've got a French language speaker. Um, those are great skills to have. Um, not necessarily essential, but, but, but good, good to have that, that mix of languages in the team. I think also the ability to respond to different cultures, to understand that there's different ways of negotiating, whether you're negotiating with a Turkish publisher or a Japanese publisher, for example. So it's having the flexibility to kind of change your communication styles, um, change your negotiation styles, um, and also awareness of, of, of the customer in terms of the different types of information and different formats of information they might um, want to receive, um, how they might want to manipulate our content in order to create their own products. So I think it's the ability to be flexible, to be quite agile in your thoughts, um, not necessarily follow the rules, to be, to be careful with your research, as I've said before, but also to have the bravery to step out and, and um, investigate a deal that might be um, less than normal. Um, I, I'd advise people to keep abreast of what's happening in the academic and copyright world. There's obviously huge changes going on there. So um, keep reading around that. There's plenty in the news. Um, and I think it's, it's having a drive and passion to work with content in a learning environment um, and to sort of imagine your role as a it's almost a transitory role because we're being asked to keep up with customer needs. Um, when you meet copyright officers from universities now, they're asking not for us to deliver content in a specific format, but deliver the content so that they can create their own formats for that content. So I think it's, it's being progressive and it's looking ahead to the future. Perfect, thank you. And in your opinion, what are the peculiarities of working in rights for an academic publisher? compared to a trade one instead? Yeah, I mean, I've never worked for a trade publisher, so this, is, this really is just my opinion rather than my experience. But I think largely agencies, um, a minority of our authors have, a, have agents, uh, work through agencies. Um, it's more rare in an academic publishing environment, whereas I think with trade it's much more likely you'd be negotiating with an agent. Um, Whereas we have direct contact with the authors, psychologists, business leaders, researchers, academics. So it's very hands-on in terms of the, the creators of our content. Um, and I think traditionally academic publishing has had fewer sales channels in terms of rights. We've tended to stick with the um, translation rights, anthology and quotation rights, uh, maybe anthology rights. And it's only recently that the new channels for us have started opening up in terms of broadcast, performance, TV, documentary rights. Those are new areas for us which are well established um, in the trade 
um, landscape, but not so much for us. So um, I think that there are some. Um, that, well, those are a couple of the peculiarities that that, that have um, have been evident to me. Perfect, thank you. And have you noticed any trends concerning titles of specific subjects selling better in determined countries over others? Uh, yes, I mean, again, I'm going to lean on my own territories because they're the ones I'm familiar with more. But uh, um, there is a, a real trend for the Scandinavian markets to look at our professional teachers' books, for example. I think the UK education, um, professional education market is, is seen as the lead market. Um, I know our editors attend a lot of Scandinavian conferences around education um, and the Scandinavian publishers are very hungry for our material um, which tends to be quite cutting edge so that's one area I've noticed. Um, Japan, the Japanese publishers look to us for media technology titles, um, they want books on cultural trends, gender titles. Um, Greece is an interesting market at the moment having um, through all the economic difficulties they have, um, they're now starting to receive funding for textbooks for the universities and are coming to us for textbooks in tourism, linguistics, history. So often the demands are not always driven by, um, by what's new but often by what the economic climates are in, in our customers' territories as well as to, as to what content they, they really need. Um, Turkey is another example, it has a burgeoning undergraduate population who are obviously um, um, demanding increased content um, in areas such as history, media, ethics, philosophy. So we do see some quite strong trends over the years. Perfect, thank you. And last question, what are you currently reading in your spare time and what is your favourite title of the year so far? Okay, well, I'm reading at the moment. I'm reading Home Fire by um, Camilla Shamsi. I don't know. Have you read that? No, <laughs> no. But you're the third person I interview that has recommended that title. Really? You have to read it now. Yeah. <laughs> I I was just transfixed by this book. I haven't finished it yet, and I, I cannot put it down. But I equally, I don't want it to to end. And for me, it's sort of about the collision of of um, contemporary London family life with um, radicalism. Um, and that sort of extreme terrorism and how people get drawn in. So it's a fascinating novel and it really, it's very emotional to read. Um, and I think, the, actually, I'm not sure, the other novel I really like is the Eleanor Oliphant is completely okay. fine, which I read recently, but actually that's not a 2018 novel. I've oh discovered. no, it's okay, it doesn't have to be published <laughs> in 2018. The, pa the paperback was published in 2018. No, it's just the one... You have the read one, in 2018 yeah. and you have, like, your favourite you have read in 2018. Okay. It doesn't matter when it was published. Okay. So my favourite novel of 2018 then was, was Eleanor Oliphant by Honeyman. Um, and I just find it an incredibly moving story of a young woman who clearly had mental health issues. Um, and it's just that excruciating detail about how she lives her life as a loner and what that means to her and the people around her. Um, and whilst it was a really tragic novel to read, I also felt it was very uplifting so it, I, I kind of swung between those emotions. So it's a um, very powerful read indeed. Yeah, I'm sure um, many of our listeners <laughs> will agree with you. And so that was my last question. Thanks a lot for your time and your insight into working in rights. Thank you. And it was a pleasure. It's a pleasure for me too. Thank you, Flavia.
That is all for episode 11 of Publishing Insight. I hope you have enjoyed listening to it and found it useful. If so, please subscribe and recommend it to other people you think may be interested. Have a nice day and I'll see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.